Well, welcome to the SJLC podcast. My name is Stephen Williams, and today we are going to be considering together one of the greatest psalms in the Psalter, according to C.S. Lewis, Psalm 19. Now, Psalm 19 may be one of the more familiar psalms for us, because we often cite verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, when we are looking at a beautiful sunrise or sunset, or maybe laying in a field far away from the city, looking up at the stars. And we also hear the ending of the psalm every Sunday morning when we are uh, preparing to hear the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. But the frequency with which we interact with this psalm is not accidental because it is a truly beautiful and great piece of, of music, in some sense, is a great and beautiful poem. And as I said earlier, C.S. Lewis called it the greatest poem in the entire book of Psalms and one of the greatest lyrics ever written in the world. Now, we can see maybe what Lewis was getting at by examining the structure of this poem, and we do that by breaking it down into three parts. David begins part one with a rapturous description of creation in verses one through six, and he focuses his attention on the heavens, that which is above him. That's, that's a crucial detail. He's looking at what is above him, and he's locking his eyes on the sun and on other heavenly bodies like the planets and the stars, and he is observing that they are constantly speaking the glory of God. Now, the idea of the stars and the planets being able to speak echoes a section of Job 38 when God, responding to Job's questions, asked Job if he was there when all the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Could it be then that the heavens and all that they contain have their own language, their own song of praise for proclaiming the glory of the Lord? It sure seems like David thinks so, and we would be wise to think of that, that music in, in a similar way. Now moving on to the second part of the psalm, David having recognized God's glory declared in the creation above him, he turns his attention in verse 7 to the primary way in which God's glory is declared in front of him, through God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right, and so on and so forth. And to each of these exclamations of truth, David attaches something of a promise, a promise that the word of God revives the soul or gives wisdom or endures forever. And he calls the scriptures the most prized, the most wonderful thing in the world, a thing better than the purest gold and sweeter than the richest food. And it's important that we hear this from somebody like David because he is writing this most likely while he is king of Israel. He is a man whose treasury is probably full of gold, 
and his table is overflowing with good food. David has tasted the goodness of all that mankind can experience on earth, and yet still he prizes the word of God above all. This brings us to the third part of David's psalm, beginning in verse 11. Having considered the heavens above him and the scripture in front of him, David is now ready to consider himself. There's an important ordering there. He has beheld God's natural revelation and creation. He's beheld God's divine specific revelation in the word. And now against that backdrop, he can start to think about himself. And, and we, being sinful human beings, we like to start with ourselves. But, but this order is crucial. David sees himself as a man in need of Scripture's wisdom and warnings. He sees himself as a man who needs reminding that he is but a small part of creation's grand design. And notice here, though, that David doesn't say that he has no part in that grand design, but rather that he has rightly understood himself to be but a single, small instrument in the midst of a glorious orchestra. And now, having resolved to be content with his lot, to avoid lifting himself higher than the scriptures or higher than the heavens, he simply asks for the grace to play his little instrument well. May God grant us the grace to be able to do the same. Let's pray. Father, we ask that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts might be pleasing and acceptable unto you. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Help us, Lord, to play our little instruments well, to follow the callings that you have given to us, uh, regardless of where, where they lead us and when, that we might be obedient and faithful to you. In Jesus' name.